Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each episode, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, and outline some insight about early development. This series is time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please follow your child's lead. I am a speech and language pathologist, and I specialize in work with very young children, but this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of Strength in Words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthinwords.com. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayalit, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Hello to the children, hello to the grown-ups, hello, 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 hello. Hello to your friends, hello to my friends, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 hello everybody, hello everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we're going to be speaking to Carrie Clark, a mother and speech and language pathologist who runs a website called Speech and Language Kids. Let's sing her a warm welcome. Hello to Carrie, yes, hello to Carrie, hello, 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 hello to the kiddos, hello to the parents, hello, 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 one last time, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Hi, today on Strength in Words, I'd like to welcome Carrie Clark, a speech and language pathologist and creator of the website speechandlanguagekids.com, which provides free resources about speech and language skill development for families and speech and language pathologists. Carrie is also a mom of young kids. Carrie, how old are your kids? And welcome, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. I, I am a mom. I have two kids. My oldest is three years old and my youngest just turned one. So things are always a little bit chaotic in our house, especially because my older son has sensory processing disorder mm-hmm. and uh, some days are, are pretty challenging. So <laughs> it's always a journey. <laughs> exactly. I think pretty much anyone could agree to that. <laughs> Good. So in your career, you've worked with clients of all ages. Let's talk a little bit about your experience with those early communicators, so infants and toddlers who are not yet using verbal language. So can you describe for our listeners a little bit about what that means and what that might look like? Sure. 
So generally, we expect to see our children get their first words between about 12 to 15 months. So we're going to see that first word or two appear during that time frame. But a lot of our children just tend to not get those words right away. And it may be a little while before we actually see that language emerge. Now, this doesn't mean that they're not communicating because mm-hmm. we have a lot of our infants and toddlers who are really good at letting us know what they need. <laughs> I'm thinking of my <laughs> own one-year-old right now, and uh, he is quite insistent on various things in his life and rarely uses an actual word for those things. Uh, but he's able to let you know, you know, with body language or pointing or grunting or screaming like a crazy man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So we often see a lot of this communication happening, but not the language piece. And by that, I mean the specific words to accompany those thoughts. Right. So with our our younger kids, sometimes we we will call those late talkers. Sometimes we'll call that a language delay. Um, But anytime that a child is not getting those first words between that 12 and 15 months, or maybe they're more like 18 months to two years, and they only have a couple words as opposed to the larger vocab that we would expect to see at that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to call those our late talkers and our, our, you know, just general language delay. And that happens for, for a variety of reasons. There's not really one, one cause or one fix, but that's kind of where we, we end up seeing some of these children fall. Right, right. Because as speech and language pathologists, I think a lot of people assume that many of us work and many of us do work with older children or children who are not pronouncing certain sounds or adults who have had any kind of neurological deficits perhaps. But a lot of us, including myself, are working with infants and toddlers because they are delayed in speech or language. So I've had people sometimes that'll say, you know, people that don't know what I do and I'll say, oh yeah, I'm working with this two-year-old or whatever. And they'll say, how do you do speech therapy on a kid that can't talk? <laughs> like, well, that's the point. Exactly. To talk. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So that leads me into my next question, which is, I want to hear about some strategies today that you might use as a speech and language pathologist who works with that population. Absolutely. So generally, I start off with five basic strategies. And my approach has always been to teach these to the families Because the family is going to be the ones that are with the child most of the time. I might see them once a week, maybe twice a week if I'm lucky, (laughs) but that's not enough time to create this, you know, global change that we're wanting to see in these children. So it's really important that families be able to do these strategies at home. And these are things that you can start at any point. You don't need to wait until a speech language pathologist prescribes them to you. They're, they're great for all children who are learning language. So you can try these strategies. And my general approach has been try these simple strategies. If this doesn't work, then we start moving into some of the more advanced strategies that you do need a speech language pathology degree to be at least able to explain and, and to figure out which type of strategy will work best for the child. Okay. So the first one is sign language. And I love sign language for young children because a lot of times that motor piece of getting their mouth to say what their brain is thinking, that is just too complex. Their brain isn't ready. Their motor pathways aren't ready. For whatever reason, it's too hard. But these kids are already using their hands to gesture. They may be pushing you away. They may be pointing at something. They may be grabbing for things. Mm -hmm. So using hands to communicate is just a nice, natural way to do this. 
Now, I will say there, I have a lot of parents that will say, well, 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 wait, if we do sign language, then they're not going to talk. They're just going to use their signs and they don't have any reason to use their mouth. So here's, here's my answer to that. First of all, there has been research done that has shown that using sign language or some sort of augmentative communication does not prevent children from speaking. So this is actual research that has shown that's not the case. Yep. And in many cases, it actually helps them speak more quickly because it serves as a bridge to language. The research is not supporting that your kid's going to stop talking. And the way I like to think about it is think of a baby who's crawling. So that baby doesn't yet have the motor skills to stand up and walk. They're going to crawl to get that need of movement met. If yep. they couldn't crawl, they would just get super frustrated and scream all the time because they want to get over there. <laughs> yep. So that baby's going to crawl. But once that baby's body is ready to walk, that child is going to stand up and walk because that is always going to be so much easier than crawling. Right. So just saying what you want is going to be easier once the mouth catches up. So we can think of signing as much like crawling, a bridge to the, the eventuality bullshit. of yeah. the most efficient means to communicate, which is which is talking, or the most efficient means to move, which is walking. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And you don't have to try to learn an entire language also. <laughs> right. You can just pick up a couple of signs that you think would be helpful for your child and just sign those when you're saying those words. I like the baby signing time videos. Those are great. You can watch those with your child and then you're learning along with them and then use those signs throughout the rest of your day. Or um, I have some sign language flashcards on my website or there's other sign language dictionary websites where you can just go look up a word. So there's lots of resources and just learn a couple of signs. You don't have to feel like you, you need to master the whole language in order to do this. That's it. So we'll link to those um, flashcards on your website, Carrie. And then I also have a download that I'll link to on the podcast page for this episode as well, which are 10 early developing words, the signs for those. Perfect. We'll give our listeners access to those things today. Okay. So the next suggestion I usually give to parents is to speak in shorter utterances. Now, this goes against some advice that parents will get, which is, you know, speak in full sentences to your child so that they'll understand, which is fantastic, and I highly recommend that. I do that with my own son. But when you are looking at a child who's having trouble getting these words out, they need some simpler models to imitate. You can still be using full sentences around your child to your child. That's fine. But some of your communication with your child needs to be a single word or two words. So what we'll say is when you're having this really great language interaction time, when you're sitting down and playing with your child, you need to be speaking at or right above your child's level. Yeah. So at would be if they're speaking one word at a time or none, you go one word at a time. Mm -hmm. Right above that would be you put two words together. So you sit down with the ball and you hold up the ball and you say ball, just that, that's it, ball. <laughs> and then you can say roll ball and then roll it or my ball and then take it back. Mm -hmm. So you can model the word and then you just kind of build on that just a little bit. And what that does is it gives the child a model that they have a better chance of repeating back to you than, oh, mommy has a pretty new ball. Would you like to play with the ball with mommy? Right. <laughs> they right. have no hope. <laughs> right. Which, you, which, of course, you can introduce the activity like that. But then mm -hmm. once, like, I like how you said that. When, when you're sitting down, you've started to interact and you're, you're watching what your child is doing. You're, what, you're looking at what, 
what he or she is looking at. He's looking at the ball. You say, ball. Yep, it's a ball. Ball. Yes. I love that. I think a lot of parents get overwhelmed with, okay, how does this actually look? But that example that you gave, I think, is great. So we've talked about sign language. We've talked about shorter utterances, which shorter utterances is going to help you with that sign language because you're not going to feel like you have to sign a whole sentence. You can just sign ball. You can just have a, a single word to sign. So my third strategy, if you're having trouble figuring out what to say when you're using these shorter utterances, is do some parallel and some self-talk. So self-talk is going to be talking about what you're doing. Parallel talk is talking about what your child is doing or thinking or looking at or paying attention to. (laughs) So you're playing with the ball and you say, ooh, ball, big ball, throw ball. So you're doing all these things. Then your child does something with the ball and you label that. So you say ball, again, remember, we want to use those one words too. And then you say what the child's doing. Maybe it's throw, Johnny throw, throw ball. Johnny throws the ball. So you can use all these different types of shorter utterances while you're talking about what you're doing and what your child doing. It's kind of like narrating is kind of the the idea of parallel and self-talk. Right. I've heard it described in the past as sort of you're the radio announcer. Yes. You're the the podcast host, basically. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I talk a bit about... uh, those two strategies on my free building language course for building language into caregiving routines that you can access. And I'll put the link in that as well. That's great. I love how these three have already built upon each other and it shows really how you can use them all in conjunction. So what else do you have for us, Carrie? Okay, our fourth tip today is expansions. And an expansion is when you take what the child has done and you build upon it. So this is also called scaffolding if you've heard that that term. I like the word expansions because it makes me think of expanding what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. So if a child says ball, you repeat ball back, but then you add one thing and that can be any piece of language you want. So it could be the action that's happening with the ball, throw ball. Mm -hmm. It could be a descriptor, big ball. It could be a, a possession. Whose ball is it? So my ball, your ball, Johnny's ball. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the ball. You could add a, an article. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. You're just adding one piece to make it slightly more complex. And the cool thing about this strategy is you can continue to use this all the way through their language development. Yeah. So if the child says, I want ball, you say, I want the ball. So then you added an article. You're helping him build grammar. Mm -hmm. So you can continue doing this regardless of how long his utterance is. You just add one thing to either make it more complex or more complete. That's the way you do it if the child's already talking. I want to just pause and mention that because I think that's a great example, but I also want to make sure that parents realize that we're not encouraging you to go in and say, no, 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 it's the ball. Right. Yeah. You're just repeating it back to them so that they have that model. You're not demanding that they say it back to you. You're not demanding that they fix it. You're just adding some information so that the next time maybe they have that in their brain. Right. Yeah. You're providing a grammatically correct model. Yeah. And then if you have a child who's not speaking yet, you can still use this. It just looks slightly different. So if your child comes up and points at something, your expansion is to add the language to that. So you say one word of what it is. So they point at the ball, you say ball. Or they sit down and throw a fit, you say angry. You are angry. So you're giving them words for the body language or the gestures 
or even maybe just what you think they might be thinking. Mm-hmm. So if they're sitting there staring at the refrigerator and you say, hungry? Are you hungry? You want something to eat? <laughs> so you can give them these, these words, even if you're not entirely sure what words they may be thinking of. But it gives them some options and some ideas of words that they can try to say eventually as well. Right. And I think that's really useful for parents because it gives as grownups sort of an insight into putting ourselves in the minds of our own children and assuming intentionality, which I think is a really important part, especially with those pre-verbal kiddos, because that's how they're learning language. They're learning it through us, through our model, by imitating us and by watching what we do. So when we give an intention to what we think we see, even if it's not totally clear, then we model the language that we that we sort of infer. Yeah. And this one can be especially powerful if you add the expectant pause afterwards. So if you are expanding on what a child says and you, let's say, we're labeling. So they, they point at a ball and you say ball and then look at them expectantly and wait and you should always wait longer than you feel comfortable doing because (laughs) we have a tendency to just keep talking and talk over the child's turn because they're not talking as much or not taking that turn but if you just say ball and then wait (laughs) what that does is it gives them an opportunity to say it back to you if they want we're not requiring it we're just providing the opportunity Or at the very least, you're just signaling to that child that you are saving a place for their conversational turn. So when they're ready to talk, you're ready to listen because you are providing that space. And I like this a lot better than some some speech-language pathologists will give you the advice of, oh, well, if your child's just gesturing, ignore them until they say the right word. You know, we're not playing dumb. No. No. (laughs) Yeah, you want to acknowledge any communication. Yes. But you want to also provide the opportunity for them to say the word when they're ready. Exactly. And like you were saying before, it it is that bridge. A gesture is a bridge to language, to verbal language. Yes. That's great, Carrie. Thank you. Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right, we've got one more. (laughs) Okay, so the very last strategy we have to share today would be um, what we call AAC or visual supports. We're kind of lumping these together. So AAC stands for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. And basically, that's just any way of communicating and using language other than spoken language. Mm -hmm. So sign language counts as AAC. You may have seen devices or apps where you push a button and it speaks a message for the child. These are all really great tools I feel like if you are just a parent looking at this surface level, you probably want someone to guide you through the process of finding a good AAC system for your child. So I wouldn't just jump into that willy-nilly. Right. (laughs) Don't go download a $300 app and think it's going to fix your child because it won't. Please don't do that. (laughs) So that would be something to explore with your speech-language pathologist, but it's good to just kind of know that's out there. But as you're kind of waiting for that process, or if you want to kind of dabble a little, you can just basically use some visual supports. And what I mean by that would be having pictures that will help your child communicate. So if you have, let's say, for example, you have a couple of snacks or drinks in the fridge that you know your child always wants, but they're not able to say those words. So they just go to the fridge and they bang on the door and they throw a massive fit. I'm speaking from experience, guys. (laughs) So what you could do is just get go on your computer, get some clip art pictures of those different foods. Photos are going to be better, but if you can just find clip art, that's fine too. 
and then just print those out and tape them to your fridge door. So you have a picture of milk, you have a picture of juice, you have a picture of applesauce, whatever the things are that your child really wants. And your child goes over to the fridge, they start banging on the door, throwing their fit, and you say, oh, you look hungry. Let's look and see what we want. And you look at the pictures, you say, do you want milk? And you point to milk, you pause, mm -hmm. do you want juice? And you help them look at those pictures and ideally, they would point to one to tell you what they want. And that is communication. We want yep. to reward that. Now, if that doesn't work, you open up the fridge door and figure out which one it was. They grab it or whatever. And then you close the fridge door and you go back to the pictures and you say, look, applesauce. You picked applesauce. Yeah. And then you could even, you know, kind of model the sentence. I want applesauce and point mm -hmm. to the picture. Mm -hmm. So you can use visuals in that way to, to give them another option. Okay, right. maybe sign language isn't working. Maybe their mouth isn't working. Maybe they can just look at what they want. Yep. That's great. Any way that we can get them communicating is what we want at this point. Right. And I think that's great because... We're really thinking then about playing to, number one, what the child's interests and desires and needs, and then also creating a language-rich environment where you have representations of the objects if they're not in plain view. So I like that you started with food because I think that's a really obvious one. Can you give us a good example of what that might look like in um, a play routine, for instance, if the child, say, really likes... Blankety blank. Yeah, so you can definitely have pictures of favorite toys, and maybe you have those higher up on a shelf, or maybe you have them in a jar or someplace where they can't get to them, and you help them use that picture to communicate that with you. You can also use pictures for things like my turn, like I want to turn with that, mm -hmm. uh, so that they're not just grabbing. So when they go to grab someone else's toy, then you can show them the picture and help them. Okay. If we touch this, that shows that I want to turn. So right. you can help them through that. Um, you can have different fun play activities or actions. So mm -hmm. you can have a picture for tickle or hugs or wrestle, which would be my boy's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and say, you know, when you want to wrestle, you can show me with your picture and then we can do that activity. Yeah. That's so nice. there's all kinds of ways to build pictures into your day. Um, you know, you can have like a little notebook you carry around with some pictures, or you can just have some stashed in places where you know you'll need them. Mm -hmm. That's great. Right. Because it's great for choice making. It's great for very, very obvious decision making where, where a child is communicating very specifically through a picture or a puzzle piece or whatever it is that they find to express exactly what they, what they want to do or what they want to do. Yeah. I really like looking at what are the times when your child is having the most behavior problems, mm -hmm. because that generally indicates that that child has a very strong need that is not getting met because they can't communicate that. So if your child has a fit because he wants to get out of his high chair, he wants to be all done with dinner, mm -hmm. then you can give him a picture that says all done. And when he's ready to be all done, he touches that picture and you say, okay, I'll get you out of your high chair. Right. Or, you know, whatever that, that meltdown is, try to figure out, okay, what would he be saying if he had words? Yes. And give him the words for that. Give him right. a picture that's super easy to use. Give him the picture, show him the sign, say the word. That's it. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And then you mentioned before that these are good strategies for really anyone. And I think that you gave us some good examples about the way that we can use them for really young children who are not yet communicating verbally, and then also older children who are emergently verbal or truly verbal at this point. But you would say 
just to reiterate that these are generally appropriate for any infant and toddler, or are these strategies specific to kids who are experiencing delays in communication? Absolutely. These are great for any child. I mean, all of our children are learning language at whatever level they're at. They are looking to the language around them and incorporating that into their own language systems. So using sign language, using pictures, using shorter utterances, all of these things are going to help any child who is communicating um, and learning to communicate regardless of if they have a delay or not. Right. And we do. We modify our speech naturally oftentimes. We use more gestures with early communicators oftentimes too. So this is just sort of an extension of that. It's not, you know, I mean, I think as speech and language pathologists, we like to think of ourselves as magical communication makers, which of course we are, but these are the strategies that we use because these are the things that are just extensions of what we do naturally to provide language to our children and to help parents and caregivers really delve deep and make those things that we naturally do slightly more obvious or take it to the next level. Okay, so Carrie, can you share some of your favorite resources for parents or for educators who work with families of this age group? Sure. So the first thing I'll say is if you are a parent and you have a child who maybe isn't speaking as much as you think they should or doesn't seem to understand, the best thing you can do is just go sit down with a speech language pathologist who can look at your child, lay eyes on your child and tell you, yeah, you're good or no, we need some interventions here. Mm -hmm. I know as a parent of a child with special needs, I spent way too much time thinking, oh, is this normal? Is it not normal? Maybe, maybe it is. No, I don't think it is. And like going back and forth and just torturing myself and thinking, well, maybe if I just try some strategies on my own, I can figure no, that's not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just, just go sit down and, you know, you could do an hour long evaluation and know exactly where your child is. Yep. And even if that speech language pathologist tells you, no, he doesn't need therapy right now. She's going to give you some strategies that are specific to your child that will definitely help. Yes. So just go talk to someone. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel like you can solve it all on your own through the internet. Although there are tons <laughs> of great resources out there, right. but the best thing you can do is just go sit down with someone. But that being said, there are lots of great resources. If you just want some more information, I have some over on my website. I have an ebook for late talkers that goes into these strategies, gives you weekly assignments and just kind of gives you a path to take. Cause often it just feels very overwhelming to try to do all of this at once. So that's over at speechandlanguagekids.com slash late talker ebook. So yep. you can find one there. And I also have free resources over there for late talkers as well. There's a just a drop down. You browse by topic and there's a late talker section. Great. You can find tons of great stuff there. I know you have tons of great stuff, Ayala. There's there's all kinds of resources and support too, you know, going to other families who've been through this and mm-hmm. that can be really helpful. There's a Facebook group that I run with another speech and language pathologist called Let's Talk Infant and Toddler Development that is full of parents, caregivers, educators, and other therapists who work with infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. So that's a nice resource as well for parents. Absolutely. Great. So finally, can you tell us a bit about your latest projects over at Speech and Language Kids? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So over at Speech and Language Kids, I have a ton of free resources. Almost everything over there is free. Uh, there's blog posts. I like to break down skills into manageable steps. So if you're like, oh my God, we're stuck on where questions. 
head on over there and there's a post on where questions, breaking it down into how you do this. Mm -hmm. So we've got a ton of free stuff over there. We also have a couple eBooks, like I mentioned. And then the coolest thing that we've got going on right now is our membership for speech language pathologists. So I know a lot of people listening are parents, but if for the, the SLPs in the group, we do have a membership area that is basically we're providing training. We're providing worksheets and materials you can print out. We answer your questions if you're stuck with a case and you're not sure what to do. We'll help answer questions about it. And we just got approved to offer ASHA CEUs. So we're going to start that in September of 2017. So we're, we're going to be able to provide those, those CEUs that you, that you need to keep your license. And if you get into the group before September 1st, 2017, if you're listening in the future, you're going to lock in a lower rate because we are raising the price in yep. September. So that's over at speechandlanguagekids.com slash join. And you can see all the fun benefits of the membership. Super. That's great. Thanks so much, Carrie. This has been really helpful. And I can't wait for all of our listeners to be able to take advantage of all your great strategies and tips. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for having me. This was fun. My pleasure. See you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Ayalet. Goodbye to this music. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. If you feel inclined to support what we're doing here at Strength and Words, you can do so by joining our mailing list, where you'll receive periodic updates and information about all our offerings. I'll be here again next time.